0: Chapter 22 of the Romance of Modern Invention. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Romance of Modern Invention by Archibald Williams. Lighting. The production of fire by artificial means has been reasonably regarded as the greatest invention in the history of the human race. Prior to the day when a man was first able to call heat from the substances about him, the condition of our ancestors must have been wretched indeed. Raw food was their portion, metals mingled with other matter mocked their efforts to separate them. The cold of winter drove them to the recesses of gloomy caverns where night reigned perpetual. The production of fire also of course entailed the creation of a light, which in its developments has been of an importance second only to the improved methods of heating so accustomed are we to our candles our lamps our gas-jets our electric lights that it is hard for us to imagine what an immense effect their sudden and complete removal would have on our existence at times when floods explosions or other accidents cause a temporary stoppage of the gas or current supply a town may for a time be plunged into darkness but this only for a short period the distress of which can be alleviated by recourse to paraffin lamps or the more homely candle the earliest method of illumination was the rough and ready one of kindling a pile of brushwood or logs The light produced was very uncertain and feeble but possibly sufficient for the needs of the cave-dweller with the advance of civilization arose an increasing necessity for a more steady illuminant discovered in vegetable oils burned in lamps of various designs lamps have been found in old egyptian and etruscan tombs constructed thousands of years ago these lamps do not differ essentially from those in use to-day being reservoirs fitted with a channel to carry a wick but probably from the difficulty of procuring oil lamps fell into comparative disuse or rather were almost unknown in many countries of europe as late as the fifteenth century when the cottage and baronial hall were alike lit by the blazing torch fixed into an iron sconce or bracket on the wall the rushlight consisting of a peeled rush coated by repeated dipping into a vessel of melted fat made a feeble effort to dispel the gloom of long winter evenings this was succeeded by the tallow and more scientifically made wax candle which last still maintains a certain popularity how our grandmothers managed to keep their eyes as they worked at stitching by the light of a couple of candles whose advent was the event of the evening is now a mystery Today we feel aggrieved if our lamps are not of many candle power and protest that our sight will be ruined by what one hundred and fifty years ago would have seemed a marvel of illumination in the case of lighting necessity has been the mother of invention the tendency of modern life is to turn night into day we go to bed late and we get up late this is perhaps foolish but still we do it and what is more we make increasing use of places such as basements underground tunnels and tubes to which the light of heaven cannot penetrate during any of the daily twenty-four hours the nineteenth century saw a wonderful advance in the science of illumination as early as eighteen o four the famous scientist sir humphry davy discovered the electric arc presently to be put to such universal use about the same time gas was first manufactured and led about in pipes but before electricity for lighting purposes had been rendered sufficiently cheap the discovery of the huge oil deposits in pennsylvania flooded the world with an inexpensive illuminant as early as the thirteenth century marco polo the explorer wrote of a natural petroleum spring at baku on the caspian sea there is a fountain of great abundance inasmuch as a thousand shiploads might be taken from it at one time this oil is not good to use with food but it is good to burn and is also used to anoint camels that have the mange people come from vast distances to fetch it, for in all other countries there is no oil. His last words have been confuted by the American oil fields yielding many thousands of barrels a day, often in such quantities that the oil runs to waste for lack of a buyer. The rivals for preeminence in lighting today are electricity, coal gas, petroleum and acetylene gas. The two former have the advantage of being easily turned on at will, like water the third is more generally available. The invention of the dynamo by Graham in 1870 marks the beginning of an epoch in the history of illumination. With its aid, current of such intensity as to constantly bridge an air gap between carbon points, could be generated for a fraction of the cost entailed by other previous methods. Paul Jablokov devised in 1876 his electric candle, a couple of parallel carbon rods separated by an insulating medium that wasted away under the influence of heat at the same rate as the rods the candles were used with rapidly alternating currents as the positive pole wasted twice as quickly as the negative during the paris exhibition of eighteen seventy eight visitors to paris were delighted by the new method of illumination installed in some of the principal streets and theatres the arc-lamp of today, such as we see in our streets factories and railway stations is a modification of mr jablokov's principle carbon rods are used but they are pointed toward each other the distance between their extremities being kept constant by ingenious mechanical contrivances arc-lamps of all types labour under the disadvantage of being by necessity very powerful and were they only available the employment of electric lighting would be greatly restricted As it is, we have, thanks to the genius of Mr. Edison, a means of utilising current in but small quantities to yield a gentler light. The glow-lamp, as it is called, is so familiar to us that we ought to know something of its antecedents. In the arc-lamp the electric circuit is broken at the point where light is required. In glow- or incandescent lamps the current is only hindered by the interposition of a bad conductor of electricity, which must also be incombustible. Just as a current of water flows in less volume as the bore of the pipe is reduced, and requires that greater pressure shall be exerted to force a constant amount through the pipe, so is an electric current choked by its conductor being reduced in size or altered in nature. Edison, in 1878, employed as the current choker a very fine platinum wire, which, having a melting temperature of 3,450 degrees Fahrenheit, allowed a very white heat to be generated in it. The wire was enclosed in a glass bulb almost entirely exhausted of air by a mercury pump before being sealed. But it was found that even platinum could not always withstand the heating effect of a strong current, and accordingly Edison looked about for some less combustible material. Mr. J.W. Swan, of Newcastle-on-Tyne, had already experimented with carbon filaments made from cotton threads steeped in sulfuric acid. Edison and Swan joined hands to produce the present well-known lamp, the Edison, the filament of which is a bamboo fibre carbonised during the exhaustion of air in the bulb to one millionth of an atmosphere pressure by passing the electric current through it these bamboo filaments are very elastic and capable of standing almost any heat glow lamps are made in all sizes from tiny globes small enough to top a tie in to powerful lamps of a thousand candle-power their independence of atmospheric air renders them most convenient in places where other forms of illumination would be dangerous or impossible for example in coal mines and under water during diving operations by their aid great improvements have been effected in the lighting of theatres which require a quick switching on and off of light they have also been used in connection with minute cameras to explore the recesses of the human body in libraries they illuminate without injuring the books In living-rooms they do not foul the air or blacken the ceiling like oil or gas-burners. The advantages of the Edison lamp are, in short, multitudinous. Cheapness of current to work them is, of course, a very important condition of their economy. In some small country villages the cottages are lit by electricity even in England, but these are generally within easy reach of water-power. Mountainous districts, such as Norway and Switzerland, with their rushing streams and high waterfalls, are peculiarly suited for electric lighting the cost of which is mainly represented by the expense of the generating apparatus and the motive power one of the greatest engineering undertakings in the world is connected with the manufacture of electric current niagara the thunder of the waters as the indians called it has been harnessed to produce electrical energy convertible at will into motion heat or light the falls pass all the water overflowing from nearly A hundred thousand square miles of lakes which in turn drain a far larger area of territory upwards of ten thousand cubic yards of water leap over the falls every second and are hurled downwards for more than two hundred feet with an energy of eight or nine million horsepower in eighteen eighty-six a company determined to turn some of this huge force to account they bought up land on the american bank and cut a tunnel six thousand seven hundred yards long beginning a mile and a half above the falls, and terminating below them. Water drawn from the river thunders into the tunnel through a number of wheel-pits, at the bottom of each of which is a water turbine, developing 5,000 horsepower. The united force of the turbines is said to approximate 100,000 horsepower. and as if this were but a small thing, the same company has obtained concessions to erect plants on the Canadian Bank to double or treble the total power so cheaply is current dust produced that the company is in a position to supply it at rates which appear small compared with those that prevail in this country a farthing will there purchase what would here cost from ninepence to a shilling under such conditions the electric lamp need fear no competitor but in less favoured districts gas and petroleum are again holding up their heads both coal and oil gas develop a great amount of heat in proportion to the light they yield the hydrogen they contain in large quantities burns when pure with an almost invisible flame but more hotly than any other known gas the particles of carbon also present in the flame are heated to whiteness by the hydrogen but they are not sufficient in number to convert more than a fraction of the heat into light a german auer von Wesbach, conceived the idea of suspending round the flame a circular mantle of woven cotton steeped in the solution of certain rare earths for example, lanthanum, yttrium, zirconium, to arrest the heat and compel it to produce bright incandescence in the arresting substance. With the same gas consumption, a Wellsbach burner yields seven or more times the light of an ordinary backswing burner. The light itself is also of a more pleasant description, being well supplied with the blue rays of the spectrum. The mantle is used with other systems than the ordinary gas jet. Recently, two methods of illumination have been introduced in which the source of illumination is supplied under pressure. The high-pressure incandescent gas installations of Mr. William Sugg supply gas to burners at five or six times the ordinary pressure of the mains. The effect is to pulverize the gas as it issues from the nozzle of the burners, and by rendering it more inflammable, to increase its heating power until the surrounding mantle glows with a very brilliant and white light of great penetration gas is forced through the pipes connected with the lamps, by hydraulic rams working gas pumps, which alternately suck in and expel the gas under a pressure of 12 inches, that is, a pressure sufficient to maintain a column of water 12 inches high. The gas under this pressure passes into a cylinder of a capacity considerably greater than the capacity of the pumps. This cylinder neutralizes the shock of the rams, when the stroke changes from up to down stroke and vice versa on the top of the cylinder is fixed a governor consisting of a strong leathern gas-holder which has a stroke of about three inches and actuates a lever which opens and closes the valve through which the supply of water to the ramps flows and reduces the flow of the water when it exceeds ten or twelve inches pressure according to circumstances the gas-holder of the governor is lifted by the pressure of the gas in the cylinder which passes through a small opening from the cylinder to the governor So as not to cause any sudden rise or fall of the gas holder. By this means, a nearly constant pressure is maintained, and from the outlet of the cylinder, the gas passes to another governor sufficient to supply the number of lights the apparatus is designed for, and to maintain the pressure without variation whether all or a few lamps are in action. For very large installations, steam is used. Each burner develops 300 candle power, A double cylinder steam engine working a double pump supplies 300 of these burners, giving a total lighting power of 90,000 candles. As compared with the cost of low-pressure incandescent lighting, the high-pressure system is very economical, being but half as expensive for the same amount of light. It is largely used in factories and railway stations. It may be seen on the Tower Bridge, Blackfriars Bridge, Houston Station, and in the terminus of the Great Central Railways, St. John's Road. Perhaps the most formidable rival to the electric arc lamp for the lighting of large spaces and buildings is the Kitson oil lamp, now so largely used in America and this country. The lamp is usually placed on the top of an iron post similar to an ordinary gaslight standard. At the bottom of the post is a chamber containing a steel reservoir capable of holding from 5 to 40 gallons of petroleum. Above the oil is an air space into which air has been forced at a pressure of 50 pounds to the square inch, to act as an elastic cushion to press the oil into the burners the oil passes upwards through an extremely fine tube scarcely thicker than electric incandescent wires to a pair of cross tubes above the burners the top one of these acts as a filter to arrest any foreign matter that finds its way into the oil the lower one in diameter about the size of a lead pencil and eight inches long is immediately above the mantles the heat from which vaporizes the small quantity of oil in the tube The oil gas then passes through a tiny hole no larger than a needle point, into an open mixing tube where sufficient air is drawn in for supporting combustion. The mixture then travels down to the mantle, inside which it burns. An ingenious device has lately been added to the system for facilitating the lighting of the lamp. At the base of the lamp post a small hermetically closed can containing petroleum ether is placed and connected by very fine copper tubing with a burner under the vaporizing tube when the lamp is to be lit a small rubber bulb is squeezed forcing a quantity of the ether vapour into the burner where it is ignited by a platinum wire rendered incandescent by a current passing from a small accumulator also placed on the lamp-post the burner rapidly heats the vaporising tube and in a few moments oil gas is passing into the mantles where it is ignited by the burner So economical is the system, that a light of a thousand candle power is produced by the combustion of about half a pint of petroleum per hour. Comparisons are proverbially odious, but in many cases very instructive. Professor V. B. Lewes thus tabulates the results of experiments with various illuminants. Cost of a thousand candles per hour Electricity Incandescent one shilling twopence, Arc Three-and-three-quarters pence Coal gas, flat flame, one shilling, sixpence; Incandescent, two and a quarter pence. Incandescent high pressure, one three quarter pence. Oil, lamp, oil at eight pence per gallon, seven and a quarter pence. Incandescent lamp, two and a quarter pence. Kitson lamp, one penny petroleum therefore at present comes in a very good first in england the system that we have noticed at some length has been adapted for lighthouse use as it gives a light peculiarly fog piercing it is said to approximate most closely to ordinary sunlight and on that account has been found very useful for the taking of photographs at night-time the portability of the apparatus makes it popular with contractors and the fact that its installation requires no tearing up of the streets is a great recommendation with the long-suffering public of some of our large towns. Another very powerful light is produced by burning the gas given off by carbide of calcium when immersed in water. Acetylene gas, as it is called, is now widely used in cycle and motor lamps, which emit a shaft of light sometimes painfully dazzling to those who have to face it. In Germany the gas is largely employed in village streets, and in this country it is gaining ground as an illuminant of country houses, being easy to manufacture in small gasometers of a few cubic yards capacity and economical to burn well supplied as we are with lights we find nevertheless that savants are constantly in pursuit of an ideal illuminant from the sun are borne to us through the ether light waves heat waves magnetic waves and other waves of which we have as yet but a dim perception the waves are commingled and we are unable to separate them absolutely and as soon as we try to copy the sense-effects as a source of heat or light we find the same difficulty the fire that cooks our food gives off a quantity of useless light-waves the oil-lamp that brightens one's rooms gives off a quantity of useless often obnoxious heat the ideal illuminant and the ideal heating agent must be one in which the required waves are in great majority unfortunately even with their most perfected methods The production of light is accompanied by the exertion of a disproportionate amount of wasted energy. In the ordinary incandescent lamp, to take an instance, only five or six per cent of the energy put into it as electricity results in light. The rest is dispelled in overcoming the resistance of the filament and agitating the few air molecules in the bulb. To this we must add the fact that the current itself represents but a fraction of the power exerted to produce it. The following words of Professor Lodge are to the point on this subject look at the furnaces and boilers of a steam-engine driving a group of dynamos and estimate the energy expended and then look at the incandescent filaments of the lamps excited by them and estimate how much of their radiated energy is of real service to the eye it will be as the energy of a pitch-pipe to an entire orchestra it is not too much to say that a boy turning a handle could if his energy were properly directed produce quite as much real light as is produced by all this mass of mechanisms and consumption of material Professor Oliver Lodge in a lecture to the Ismonian Society 3rd of June 1889 The most perfect light in nature is probably that of the glow-worm and firefly a phosphorescent or cold light illuminating without combustion owing to the absence of all waves but those of the requisite frequency The task before mankind is to imitate the glow-worm in the production of isolated light-waves the nearest approach to its achievement has occurred in the laboratories of Mr. Nikola Tesla, the famous electrician. By means of a special oscillator invented by himself, he has succeeded in throwing the ether particles into such an intense state of vibration that they become luminous. In other words, he has created vibrations of the enormous rapidity of light, and this without the creation of heat waves to any appreciable extent an incandescent lamp mounted on a powerful coil is lit without contact by ether waves transmitted from a cable running round the laboratory or bulbs and tubes containing highly rarefied gases are placed between two large plate terminals arranged on the end walls as soon as the bulbs are held in the path of the currents passing through the ether from plate to plate they become incandescent shining with a light which though weak is sufficiently strong to take photographs by with a long exposure Tesla has also invented what he calls a sanitary light, as he claims for it the germ-killing properties of sunshine. The lamps are glass tubes several feet long, bent into spirals or other convolutions, and filled before sealing with a certain gas. The ends of the glass tube are coated with metal and provided with hooks to connect a lamp with an electric current. The gas becomes luminous under the influence of current, but not strictly incandescent, as there is very little heat engendered. This means economy in use the lamps are said to be cheaply manufactured but as yet they are not on the market we shall hear more of them in the near future which will probably witness no more interesting development than that of lighting before closing this chapter a few words may be said about new heating methods gas stoves are becoming increasingly popular by reason of the ease with which they can be put in action and made to maintain an even temperature but the most up-to-date heating apparatus is undoubtedly electrical Utensils of all sorts are fitted with very thin heating strips, formed by the deposition of precious metals, such as gold, platinum, etc., on exceedingly thin mica sheets, through which are passed powerful currents from the mains. The resistance of the strip converts the electromotive energy of the current into heat, which is either radiated into the air or into water for cookery, etc. In all parts of the house the electric current may be made to do work beside that of lighting, it warms the passages by means of special radiators replacing the clumsy coal and stuffy gas stove in the kitchen it boils stews and fries heats the flat irons and ovens in the breakfast room boils the kettle keeps the dishes teapots and coffee pots warm in the bathroom heats the water in the smoking room replaces matches in the bedroom electrifies food warmers and last wonder of all even makes possible an artificially warm bed-quilt to heat the chilled limbs of invalids. The great advantage of electric heating is the freedom from all smell and smoke that accompanies it, but until current can be provided at cheaper rates than prevail at present, its employment will be chiefly restricted to the houses of the wealthy or to large establishments, such as hotels, where it can be used on a sufficient scale to be comparatively economical. End of chapter 22. Recording by phone. End of The Romance of Modern Invention by Archibald Williams